everybody. What's going on? It's Jesse Lee. You can call me hashtag boss Lee, other people's mentor. And this is episode 437 of the show. This is an interview with my friend, Jimmy Rex. So he actually interviewed me on his show and I said, Hey, can I record it too? He said, yeah, of course. And it ended up being fire. So I think you guys are going to love it. Um, let me go ahead and grab you his Instagram handle so you guys can tag him if you end up enjoying this. I kind of warned him about the Lehigh. I was like, these people are amazing. They will tag you in a bunch of stuff. Um, and he's really big in real estate, if that's something that interests you. So you can kind of check out his stuff too. But his handle is Mr. Just M-R. Mr. Jimmy Rex. J-I-M-M-Y-R-E-X. Mr. Jimmy Rex. I actually met him in one of the masterminds that I'm part of. And immediately we hit it off. And I thought he was funny. He's actually like half comedian. But anyway, I really enjoyed this interview and I think a lot of you are going to as well. There is tons of wisdom in it and he kind of really goes sort of deep into some MLM stuff, um, which I think a lot of you might be looking forward to hearing. It's not a long interview. It's only about 45 minutes and it's packed full of value. So I hope you guys enjoy it. If you do enjoy it, make sure you screenshot it, put it in your story, tag me, tag some friends, tag Jimmy, um, and also give me your biggest takeaways. I'd love to know what you've learned from this episode um, and that way I'm able to know what you need me to record more information on. Our Telegram channel has had our first ever pop-up training, so make sure you are subscribed to the Telegram channel. The link is in the bio here in the show notes, and then I will also say if you are having a difficult time finding it, please don't be embarrassed to DM me on Instagram or Facebook. Just say, hey, I need the Telegram link, and I will shoot you over the Telegram link for that. Today's review of the show, which by the way, I read every single one. They mean a ton to me. So thank you for taking the 90 seconds, 120 seconds out of your day to leave these reviews. They really make me smile, especially um, on days when I don't feel awesome is robinhouse.52, the best five stars. Jessie Lee is my all-time favorite person. She tells it like it is and there's nothing fake coming from her. She honestly wants you to succeed and cares deeply about her team. I love that. I appreciate that. And that is for sure true. And so I do appreciate even further that you've taken the time to write something so, so nice. Um, other things that are coming, uh, Mastermind is about to drop. Sales page is almost entirely done. So I hope you guys are excited for that. For those of you looking for a high-level Mastermind weekend, I'm just going to be doing weekends for now. We'll see how that transpires. Um, but feel free to DM me if you're like, please send me the link for that. Um, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, wherever you want to DM me, and I will make sure that you get first dibs on the mastermind. Aside from that, what you're hearing on this episode of the podcast is me having a conversation with my friend, Jimmy Rex. Anything that could be perceived as an income claim is not guaranteed and cannot be guaranteed. If you choose to participate in a network marketing company, please understand it's very hard work. And by the way, no way are my results typical. Hope you guys love this episode of the show. And when you do, make sure you let me know. It's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast today. I, uh, it's funny, you are known as the number one network marketer in the entire world. And that's quite the label. I mean, I don't even know how many network, mar- it's crazy how big an industry is, by the way. I was in it for a little while. I worked with Zango and a couple of other- Oh my God! <laughs> oh yeah. And I actually had such a great experience with it. So I'm very, I've always been very pro MLM. I'm, just, I'm very pro taking control of your own life, building your own destiny, all those kinds of things. And so MLM kind of- goes right into that. But how many network marketers are there in the world? Give us an idea. So I don't know how many network marketers are in the world number wise, but I do know that it is a $300 billion a year profession. So um, that's bigger than all major league sports put together. So you put together basketball, football, major league baseball, hockey, all of them. And network marketing is still bigger. So um, I, I think it's it, it's an incredible profession to let people. I love that you kind of cut your entrepreneurial teeth in it too. Um, but it's such an awesome opportunity for an average person to 
yeah, cut their teeth, figure out like, oh, do I, do I have what it takes to be an entrepreneur and then actually spread their wings and really fly. So I, well, I, I like yeah. the way that you said that. Cause to me, that's what it is. It's because everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. They say that, but a lot of people shouldn't be. In fact, we did a little, <laughs> we did a little thing last night, like this mastermind. And that was one of the points that one of the guys made. He's like, look, there's nothing wrong with taking a really good job that pays you really well. A lot of you are yes. not made out to be entrepreneurs, to own your own business. And frankly, most of you will probably make more money if you just go take a job. It's this myth that like everyone needs to be an entrepreneur, but for 500 bucks or so, more or less, usually, right? You can yeah. join an MLM and you really do get an idea if you're made for that kind of a career because you recruit, you have to, you know, build uh, systems, you have to market, you have to do all those things that you do in a business, you really get to cut your teeth in MLM. I, I love, you got me laughing over here because entrepreneurship is like the sexy thing of 20, of like ever since probably 2018, right? Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, wants to be an entrepreneur. Like, I mean, love him or hate him, Gary Vee makes me laugh because he's like, if you're not a successful entrepreneur in this day and age, like you, I would never say this to people because I'm, I'm a big bleeding heart. I just cry too much. But he's like, you suck. Like you literally suck if you can't make money as an entrepreneur in this, um, in this, in this global environment. So stop and get a job. And I love that you said that in your own little roundabout Jimmy Rex way, because um, it's true. Like we do need good employees. As a matter of fact, like I don't want, I don't know if we're gonna go down this rabbit hole during this interview, but like sure, it is so hard to hire people these days. And I think part of it is everybody thinks they need to be an entrepreneur. I'm like. Mm. Oh my God. Like I own all, I own a lot of traditional businesses also. And it is driving me crazy. I'm like, where are the hairdressers, man? Like what? It's, it's the same problem we're all having right now. Right? Like I'm building five different, um, investment properties right now as Airbnbs and they can't get, these builders can't get anybody to work on right? them. There's nobody wants, I flip homes and the biggest problem we have right now, it's not even finding good deals. It's finding workers to go. And I, I guess it turns out when you flood the economy with money and tell people they're going to be rewarded for not working, people choose not to work a lot. And somebody like you or I, like we just think, duh, people are just motivated to be their best selves. But the reality is a lot of people aren't. They just are trying to get enough to get by. And it's, it is really frustrating because like, where does this thing end? At what point do people start going back to work at? You know, it's, it's one thing and the next and the next. And it sounds good on paper to give people a bunch of free shit. But yeah. then you got a bunch of people that aren't willing to go work for anything. And, and what it does, was the, the, the sad part of it to me, and you can appreciate this being an MLM, you know the rewards of hard work. You know what it feels like to build something. You watch, you know, it's an, it's an industry, especially I'm sure the, the you know, companies you've been a part of, I know, are more women-centric. Um, no, they are not, Jimmy. Only one of them was women-centric. Sex toys? Is oh my god! Yes. Okay, that was my first. Okay, I was. I it was a Google search. A Google search. Yes, that is true. Oh my god, it's true. But that was <laughs> the did... first. That was the only sex toy company I was part of. Um, I was number one in the world at that too, though. So you know. By the way, please let's just go right there. That's let's go. Take this conversation. What? Describe how you got into it. How did you come across? Did you go to a sex party and you're like, well, I could do this. I can use those better than they are or whatever. I mean, how did that get going? Oh, God. Okay. This is going to be the greatest interview of all time. So um, <laughs> it's funny because I always talk about if you are an entrepreneur, the word no just really shouldn't offend you. And so nobody actually recruited me, which is odd, right? Because the idea that everybody's constantly accosted by these network marketers who are just harassing them and cold messaging them. That's not true, right? Most people are way too scared to send out any kind of cold message or even lukewarm message, if we're being totally honest. So nobody recruited me. I think I looked like I had my life together. I put that in quotations because, and it's a podcast, I'm letting everybody know. Like, 
it has to go in quotations because people thought I was doing very well because I had the good job again, quotations, in the pathology lab. I had a car. Granted, it broke down all the time. Nobody really knew that. You know, you, you, you see people with their benefits and their 401k and you're like, oh my God, she has her life together. Well, meanwhile, my life was not together. So I Google searched at home businesses that make the most money. And I don't know if that was like because of my Google searches in the past. I'm just kidding. But that popped up. And uh, so nobody, <laughs> nobody <Google> recommends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, recommended for Jesse Lee. Um, and so anyway, long story short, that popped up and like I immediately applied for a credit card um, and got approved for a $500 limit. And I was like, no, I can't even get the big kit. Right. Um, but it was my first credit card. I was 22 years old and uh, like freshly 22. I just turned 22. And um, yeah, that's how it all started. I, I, bought, I bought a kit on January 7th, 2011. And I figured, you know what? I'm not getting evicted from this basement I'm living in. I'm going to figure out how to make this $310 back to pay back this credit card. And then I need another $300 to pay the rent. So I got to make $610 my first month. And that was my big crazy goal. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, a decade later. Here well, we it seems like that would be something that is very well needed. Like I've heard that they're a riot to go to talking to other women. Like they're super fun parties. And well, like we've met Jimmy. Them. Like I'm freaking funny. Okay. Like I'm a little spitfire. I am like, I got a mouth on me when I want to have a mouth on me. Like I will crack jokes at you all day. And so, yeah, like I was in these people's houses and I would, it was a comedy hour, 45 minutes of like pee your pants laughing basically. And then I would do private consultations in a side room and I'd upsell, cross sell, whatever. I would leave the, the party and I'd read sales books when I got home. I'm like, I got to learn how to sell more. Um, cause I didn't know how to sell. So are you in that, in that scenario, are you trying to more recruit them to also sell underneath you or are you trying to sell product? Um, it's a mix of both and it's always okay. been a mix of both for me. And I think that's actually how I became number one in this entire profession now is because I started in direct sales. So it was much more belly to belly in people's homes, your retailing product, retail, wholesale, retail, like this whole direct selling concept. And so that was where my comfort zone was. I was more comfortable at retailing at a high level than I was recruiting. Um, and that's more so like I had imposter syndrome around leadership. Um, and I also viewed recruiting like, oh my God, that's a whole other job. Like now I'm gonna have a sales team of people. Like, I don't know, like this is just supposed to be something to kind of make me some extra money in between. Um, and then I became the best recruiter in the world. So that's like a whole separate thing. So but, what, yeah. what was it this? I mean, what would, what made you so great at recruiting? What kind of things did you naturally have? What kind of, you know, what did you do differently that made you so successful? Because I mean, having done that industry, I know how difficult it is to recruit. I mean, it's, you're trying to call the most successful people, you know, ultimately you want people that, you know, you think are going to succeed and you're trying to get them to sit down with you for an hour and talk about, I mean, whether it's sex toys or shampoo or $40 bottle of juice, you know, like you're trying to get them to do something uh, to buy a new product that they probably never would buy otherwise. And so it's kind of an interesting well, sell. I'll make this for all business people, not just MLM people, and it'll help everyone, I think. And that is that my approach has always been drastically different, I think, than everybody in my profession and everything I do, I do it differently. So whether it's the selling of the cars, like I sell supercars, I think you know that, whether it's like the restaurant stuff, whether it's the, um, the hair salons, whether it's the med spa, any of this stuff, I like to look at it like, how can I stand out? How can I do things differently? And so um, I never was the person who would go after the super powerful people. And I think again, that little bit of growing up 
poor imposter syndrome, whatever was definitely in there. So I was like, oh, why would they want to talk to me? Like Jimmy Rex would never pick up my phone call. So I would like not talk to you. I would talk to all your people. Um, and so I've always had this idea of, I, I mean, maybe it's humility too, in the sense of I was so discounted from day one. Nobody tried to recruit me that I was like, oh my God, I had the hunger. So when I'm recruiting, I'm looking for hungry people. I'm not necessarily looking for people with the gigantic Rolodex or people with, you know, a bunch of money or people who already have the lifestyle. I, I want the people who are like, all right, uh, you're the little guy. I'm gonna make you not so much the little guy anymore. Like we're gonna blow this thing up. And so then my, my entire process has been find normal people who are coachable, leadable, teachable. This is really in anything I do, by the way. Um, who, who's actually gonna do the work? So I've never been the handholder. So the whole hour long meetings, the hour long Zooms, the hour long calls, I've never done them. And I never did them because I'm like, if I have to sit on a Zoom with you, Jimmy, and be like, all right, man, tell me about your goals, man. Tell me about your dreams. Like, what do you want it? Like all this stupid spammy stuff that everybody in network marketing hates. Like all the haters hate it because they're like, they're just, they're manipulators or whatever. I'm like, well, you've clearly never, I mean, you've never been prospected by me. We've never had a conversation or you would literally never say that about how I approach business. Um, but yeah, like I, that, yeah, I could get on a phone and manipulate anybody into joining. Sure. But I've never done it. Um, yeah, mine's more yeah. so like get them in, buy them, showing that they're hungry. You know, t say, hey, like a link's in the bio. You're going to join or you're not. It's okay. There's literally tens of thousands of people who will join either way. So if it's for you, great. I've got a system for you. If it's not for you, great. Then whatever. Be a customer. That's cool. And then my onboarding is really aggressive. And that's, again, in all my businesses. My standards and procedures are just very, very not MLM. They're very like... Well, I think that's actually really important because I think what happens a lot of times with what I saw personally is people get in, they're excited, they want to get going. And then there's like this lull, either the onboarding process takes too long or they don't know what to do. So they kind of like sit in that fire kind of starts to diminish. Um, and unfortunately, that causes a lot of people to end up getting a bad taste in their mouth for the company. Again, I'm a huge proponent of MLM. I think everybody should try one when they're young. I really do. I um, actually kind of got a funny story for you. One of my buddies, he's a billionaire. He's a multi-billionaire here in the state of Utah. His company's about to go public for $6 billion. Hell yeah. And we were, we were all hanging out down in Lake Powell and he was a single guy at the time. He's married now. This is a few years ago, but there was this young girl. I was going to say, hook me up, Jimmy. This is sounding good. <laughs> There's this girl, probably 22, 23, just kind of getting her teeth wet with kind of business stuff. And, uh, and she pitched me and him to join like some random MLM company. And we were done. She had no idea how much money he was worth. She had no idea what I did. It was so cute and like so adorable, but she was like telling, she's like, you guys can literally make thousands of dollars. <laughs> this guy's worth over a billion dollars. I'm just laughing my ass off, but, but it was cool. And it was like, even for her, like, you know, to start putting herself out there, what else would if she brought up a business conversation with a guy like that? Um, I will say this though, like, so I just watched the Lula Rich documentary. I'm sure Ooh. you've watched it on Amazon. No. Uh -huh. and you have not watched it yet. I will not watch oh, it. It's fascinating and entertaining. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. But it's crazy because like I'm in Utah, right? This is the capital where a lot of these things happen. And yep. that couple happened to be in California, but they have all their Utah ties with the LDS church and stuff like that. And it kind of plays into the, the documentary. But they just look like such quacks, I guess, for a lack of a better word. So how do you stamp that out in your industry? Like one of the things that I like about you, as soon as I met you and just, you don't know this yet, but I was like, we were in a room together. We're about 50 of us. And like the way people were talking about you was with so much respect 
And they were like, dude, she is the boss. Like, this is what she does. Like, she is awesome. You got to go meet her. And I was like, wow, I need to get to know this woman. And uh, so the way they talk about you versus like you watch that documentary and you see how most people view MLM marketing uh, or companies, I I guess like the question is, is how difficult is that to overcome? And what do you do to kind of break that stigma? Because I mean, they looked crazy in that. But you got to go watch the documentary. (laughs) So that would be so emotional. Let me tear up. I love it. Thank you. Um. Okay, so there's a lot. That's like a lot to unpack. I'll try to do my yeah. best. So first of all, um, I don't watch it because I I know what they're going to say. You know, like at least I have an idea of what they're going to say um, in the sense of I know it was $5,000 to join that company and they're, they were selling leggings that literally they'd have like Leaning Tower of Pisa's, like basically making people look like they have penises, you know? Like, like I mean, like it was like that most hideous like, I know, you know, like, it just well, wasn't was, a well-run like, company. Watching, I'm like, where were all these women wearing these pants? Because they are awful. I'm like, oh, terrible. I seeing them. Oh, anywhere. for sure. Yeah. And the company's still around, you know. Um, I don't really know. I don't follow the company or anything like that. But they had a huge surge, right, actually, when I was making the transition into network marketing, actually. So when mm-hmm. I was going from the direct sales into the network marketing space in, like, 2015 is when they were exploding. And there were there were a lot of things about that. I'm like, you have to buy how much inventory? Like, my problem with documentaries like that and people who try to expose the network marketing profession is I'm like, nobody took your social security number. Nobody took your credit card and was like, Jimmy, you have to do this or you're going to die, right? Like, we're, we're going we're gonna to shove you out of the world, you know? Like, nobody forces people to do any of these things. And then they start going, oh, well, it's like a cult. And then you get manipulated. What? Like, what? Like... And I'll, wa- and I'll watch it now just so I can see what they say. But I, like I said, I have a feeling I know exactly the kinds of things they say because these people that hate on you, their narrative is literally identical. You know, it's this blame, shame, justify. And I think that's actually the problem with the world right now is everybody blames everybody for everything. Nobody wants yeah. to take responsibility for the fact that they're broke or they're unhappy or their money situation's terrible or they're whatever. Everything well, is somebody you, else's fault. Everything. The way, always, the way that I always say it is, is you either have to you know, take inventory of yourself and change things about yourself, or you try to make everybody else wrong. And so for most people, it's just easier to blame the company or blame the industry or blame the person that recruited you or whatever. Yeah. And these people are not successful. Like some of these people might've been making like three, $4,000 a month at most. And they are such significance driven people that their ability to get more, like their only way to get significance is to hate people who actually have significance. So like by, if I'm like, Jimmy Rex, Jimmy Rex, Jimmy Rex, and you're way up here and I'm way down here, a little peon, little ant on the bottom of your shoe, like of course I'm gonna attach myself to your name, you know, like tag you in a YouTube video so I can try to get some views so I can pay for my pasta or whatever the hell these people are eating for dinner. I don't know. But anyway, the stigma thing, that's the second part of your question, is I just show people the actual reality. Like, what is what is the actual reality? For Give me, us an idea what that looks like for you. Yeah, the truth is good enough. That's it. Like I was literally the girl that grew up in small country town, Middletown, Maryland. I grew up in poverty. I was in a domestic violence household. I sent my dad to jail when I was nine years old. I was raised by my grandparents. I went to college on a full academic ride because I am freaking sharp, right? I graduated college. I got the good job in the pathology lab. I was making taking home like twenty four thousand dollars a year after waiting tables in Times Square where I was making a lot of money, okay, like, went from, like, whoo, oh, God, right, thrown into the realities of what people celebrate, then was, like, this cannot be, I'm living in a basement, like, I, I'm, pay- I'm literally doing the stupid thing where you pay bills to die, right, and I'm, like, caught in this hamster wheel of, you know, everyone's celebrating me, and I'm, like, what are they celebrating, I have no life, and I'm going broke every two weeks, 
And so I put it on a credit card. Like I am the example. And so when people try to say, it's just like anything though. People say real estate's a scam sometimes because 90% of real estate agents won't ever sell a single house. doesn't make it a scam. just means that only 10% of people ever have the actual entrepreneurial bug. Yeah. And it's not as easy as you think. Right. Um, but it's the same thing with this. And so my reality was, yeah, I went from, I was, went from broke. I went from poverty. I went to base a basement to being, uh, you know, an over eight figure earner in the network marketing space. And I was, I mean, my first million when I was, my first million dollar year, I was 26. 26 years old. So let's back up into your story a bit. You said something that caught my attention. You sent your dad to jail when you were nine years old. Mm, yeah. You mind talking about that real quick? Just Because right. I think it's important that people understand. I think it's why you're probably so driven in the way you are is you, you know, you had to learn to hustle. Like you had to learn to take care of yourself at a very young age. I think there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. So uh, the hustle for sure. But the leadership, even though it was really crappy leadership, started when I was nine. I didn't know how to lead. I don't think anybody's born like, you know, they say there's born leaders. No, you have to have some kind of life circumstances if you ask me. But um, we're actually really good. So for anyone listening, like my dad and I are really close. Um, he might be listening to this. So I won't say something that's happening for his birthday coming up. No, but I'll like leave it. I'll leave it. No, like nothing bad. Like there's like a surprise coming. I just kind of ruined it. Uh, he doesn't know what the surprise is. So anyway, um, but uh, but anyway, we're really good. We we all reconciled, etc. But this is before I actually knew about uh, mental abuse and about emotional abuse. So the real crazy sort of plot twist in the story after I started personally developing uh, is somewhere around like 24, 25 years old is when I realized yeah, I saw my dad like throw my mom against walls, like choking her um, and the screaming and the whatever. But I didn't know all the stuff my mom was doing behind the scenes that was driving him crazy, like de-edifying sure. him as a man, emasculating him constantly. The kinds of like things she was doing with people in the neighborhood, like the most, right? He was actually an entrepreneur and she would be like, I'm the one making all the money right now. So like, it's my house, my rules, I do what I want. I didn't know. So when I saw it and I knew, oh God, physical violence, that's bad. And my dad had a, had a track record. He was a, a felon already because he, um, he was distributing, my dad's a salesman. Uh, he, he was distributing the most LSD on the East Coast in like 1975 or something. Wow, he and he got ahead of his time by two minutes, <laughs> too, too long. <laughs> yeah, so he already had a felon record. And so when I made the phone call, um, he got sent straight to, straight to prison. So um, yeah. anyway, so I kind of like had that weighing on me then. And I was always a daddy's girl. I still can do no wrong in my dad's eyes. And I had a great relationship with him. And Um, my mom was just not really fit to parent though. So I accidentally threw our family into the spiral of no leadership, no stable figure, no anything. Um, and then I had to become that person. I had to be the one getting, I wasn't even the oldest kid, but I was getting us to school and I was making sure we went to after school activities and I was making sure we had food. You know, my mom wouldn't come home till really late a lot of the time. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. You know, I think part of development is understanding that everything that has happened to you in your life is happening for you. Like I would not be at anywhere near as resilient as I am. If, I mean, that's a five, not even 5% of my story, right? Or like not even 1%, but all of that crazy stuff, if people would start seeing that those things are the blessings that turn you into the person that you're supposed to be, um, I think we'd have a better world. No, I agree 100%. I mean, I look at all the things that happened to me in my life and, the, you know, all of the hardships and the, the fallbacks and all those different things. And, and I'm so grateful for it. It's almost like 
as I get older and I start thinking about having my own kids one day, it's like, how do I make sure I can replicate these hardships? Like replicate <laughs> the suffering and some of the things I had to go through because it's like, what, really a, what does... a statement. How do I replicate the suffering? That is a great question. <laughs> no, Tony Robbins talks about this. He's like, he's interviewing this lady one time and she's talking about her husband and he just doesn't live up. And, and he asked her about her dad and he says, did you have a good dad? And she's like, oh, he was the best. He, he was the best dad ever. And he goes, you know, he goes, that fucker. He goes, because he screwed you up. Because this guy you're dating now, the guy you're married to now, I mean, he go, he can never live up to your dad. And it's like, in spite of like, you can raise somebody perfectly. The reason I use that example is like, you can raise somebody perfectly like this guy did, or you got the opposite end of the spectrum, right? And either way, it's going to screw a kid up in some ways. But yeah. it's like trying to navigate that, you know, I, I guess just getting the life experience, understanding that, you know, above all else, we are the ones responsible for the state of our lives. And I think that's one of the things in the circles that we run in, everybody kind of has those same mentalities. Like you, if you showed up with a victim attitude in those circles, you'd look like such an idiot. Like people would just like, look at you, like, what is wrong with this guy? Like, how did you sneak in and why are you here? You that know? was you on stage, right? In uh, California. I think it was you. You were like, you know what I love about these masterminds is nobody's here like, man, I'm between jobs. I'm really struggling. Like everyone in here is like, F it. I'm a grind. Like, what do we need yeah, to do? Like, Let's go. Showing up to that. You're like, yeah, I'm just between jobs. Just kind of hanging out. Like people are like, what the hell? Like, yeah, what do you, you get exposed very quickly if you weren't there to come from massive contribution and hard work. Yep. I love it. So back to your journey. I mean, you start in MLM and you just start crushing it. Um, so how did you scale it? How did you manage like the people? Because one of the things that I noticed with Zango, and I don't know if it's like this in every company, it sure as shit seems like it, but there's <laughs> a lot of drama in multi-level marketing. Like what is wrong with you people? I swear everybody <laughs> in those companies had the biggest egos are always fighting. Everybody's thinking that they're the big swinging of the whole group and everything else. <laughs> Oh God! You're just like if the the uh, God make God has a sense of humor. I swear, like you are hitting on things that are so timely right now. So, <clears throat> um, couple things. It's volunteer Salesforce. When I bought my first traditional business, my favorite thing that I got to do was fire somebody. <laughs> I hate to say that, but like, I was so excited. Like this girl gave me really crappy attitude two days in a row. And I said, if you talk to me like that one more time, one more time, I'm your boss. You're not going to have a job anymore. And she literally like all she did, I think she made like a, and like, like a, whatever that noise is. And like rolled her eyes. And I said, matter of fact, we're done here. You're actually fired. And I like had this surge of adrenaline, like, Oh my God, I wanted to do that with hundreds of people. Oh my God, this is the best. Like, ah! like, I mean, I didn't go psycho and like fire anybody else like that. Cause it felt so good to like finally take control of that. But part of network marketing is like, you are dealing with everything you are dealing with the highs highs the low lows you're dealing with quite frankly very genuine mental instability you're dealing with people who sometimes like could not make it in anything else and for whatever reason maybe they recruited a bomb they hit the lottery they're making twenty thousand dollars a month like they think that they've done it again you use the word ego oh my god like holy moly i don't know why sometimes it attracts these people but lord have mercy um, and so for me to cause, to create a solution, you asked how I scale it. And then you asked about that. Scaling can only happen with systems in any business. So mm -hmm. you're in, you're talking about Airbnbs. I know you're big in real estate. You do all this stuff. We're talking about your coaching program, etc. The only way you scale any of these things is if you have systems around it that allow for it to scale. Everything cannot be based and predicated upon you. 
It's just not possible, right? And so as soon as I understood that, I started reverse engineering stuff. So I'm known as a systems queen in the entire profession, and it's how I've that's why my paycheck's what my paycheck is. So I say, okay, end goal here. It could be anything, right? Like, let's say your end goal is you want 20,000 doors. I don't really know, right? Or you, that's, I mean, whatever. Maybe not, yeah, you're like, hell yeah, okay. <laughs> like, whatever your goal is, you want this many companies, you want whatever. Okay, well, what do you have to do? What systems do you have to put into place in order for that to happen? And then it just becomes a series of testing, A, B testing, whatever, like that then allows it to drive towards whatever that end goal is. And so I even break that down. So end goal, maybe let's say it's like you want 20 million in revenue a month. Okay, well, do you like what sales programs you need to put into place? Do you need to put together some kind of campaign? Okay, if it's a campaign, let's reverse engineer that, put a system around that. Okay, if it's getting more people properly onboarded in your system, where's the system for that? Do we need to do technology for it? What do we need to do? Do we need to do in-person events? Do we need to do small level masterminds? Do we need to do closed group settings? Do we need to have accountability partners? Like my brain just works in this like, here's the goal, chunk it out, figure that out so it can scale up to wherever you're trying to go. And that is not possible with a big ego. Now, I think the word ego has been torn apart over the last few years. Like everybody says ego is so bad. Well, Jimmy, you have an ego. I know you have an ego. You think you're a badass. You are jumping off of things. You are bungee jumping. You are like skydiving, paragliding. I don't even know. I'm worried about your health sometimes, but like, it's very fun to watch on social media. So thank you for the entertainment. Um, like, but you have, you have swagger about you. I have swagger about me. Right. And that's what I think about when I think about ego. It's not about I have to be the best. I have to be the face of everything. No, it's this. Don't mess with me because I know what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about ego. That healthy confidence is what I'm talking about. But like, so this is only one of the walls. You can't even really see it. You can only see like probably 15 photos or something. But there's 141 photos of people on my walls. They are the 141 top leaders that drive free vehicles in my organization. Because to me... They are representative of what has created our entire empire. The reason I call it the empire is because it's not Jesse Lee's empire. It's all of theirs, right? It's my responsibility to say, I don't have the same gifts as Steve or Mel or Madison or Adele or Crystal or Jen or V. I can see all their faces, right? So it's, I, I need them. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the biggest things that is missing in network marketing is people go, it's my team. I'm like, change your damn language. I, I have never used the word my because I don't own you. Sure. And we are way better together. And if more people in any business would understand that and empower those people to do more because they have ownership over what they're doing instead of it being mine, 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 me, 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 I, 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 I you'll scale. But until you take that huge toxic ego out of whatever you're doing and you allow people to thrive in their skill sets, you'll never get there. Yeah, no, I think you said that really well. It's, you know, one of the hardest things in any industry is finding teams that want to work together and, and, and building something together. But one of the cool things about your industry is, is there is a financial benefit to helping other people grow and succeed. And so you have people that are just aligned. And I mean, I'm with EXP. And it's uh, it's actual multi level marketing. You're a network stuff. marketer, Jimmy. I oh am, my god! I know, and it's kind of fun because well, like I've had the opportunity now. So I joined back in February, and I recruited one of the top real estate teams in the country. It's right here in Utah, the Michael Perry team, the Perry Group, and uh, 
And there was about 40, 50 agents on that team at the time. And I would have never got to know these people. I would have never, like, I have no incentive. I'm not going to go hang out with a bunch of realtors. They're not going to send me any deals. But once, you know, they joined my real estate group, um, I started working with a lot of them. And some of my favorite people to be around, to talk to, I love mentoring them. And um, it's been really cool to, like, be able to kind of feed off their energy, too, as they're kind of building and, and wanting to get their businesses where they want it to be. And so it's it's been cool because I missed coaching and training, you know, in my core, I'm a coach above everything else, but I hadn't really been doing a whole lot of training because at Killer Williams, I would do a training and then agents would take the stuff I used to try to help them. And they'd you, like say, like twist my words and try to use it against me in a listening presentation. I'm like, well, that's not what this is all about. And so I just quit doing it. I was like, I'm done training my competition though. I had no benefit to it. It was just a waste of my time. And I was building these agents up to, you know, compete against me. And so it is, you know, having been now a part of this, I guess you could say MLM real estate company now for, for about nine months, it's been really fun. And our group's been growing like crazy. I'm up to, I think 125 people in my group now for you. and I get to kind of help them and train them and coach them. And, and anyway, instead of all the money just flowing back to the broker, um, a lot of it flows out into the agents. And that's one of the cool parts about it. I love that. I love that that edification of network marketing because I think some people forget to realize that almost all business is actually network marketing as well. Um, yeah. But to your point, you know, why would you spend your time coaching somebody all the time, giving all your advice to somebody all the time um, that you're going to get no benefit whatsoever off of? Now, that is how I built my brand. So there's some of that. Like a lot of my brand building has been just free content, free content, free content, free content now for 10 years. Uh, but now because of that, obviously I've had tremendous success in multiple business, uh, multiple business ventures, but I, I remember hearing something one time because a lot of uplines will actually sabotage their downlines again, back to the crazy ego. And I'm like, why would you do that? The more, if, if, if you're on my team, like I want you, if you would out recruit me, Oh my God, what do you want me to buy you? Like, that's yeah, my mindset. I'm like, what do you want? Like, do you want to go on a trip, Jimmy? Like, you're outselling me? Like, uh, where, where you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you want Bungie jump up off today? Like, where are we going? Like, let's go. Will you like some shoes? You want a bag? What you want? Like, tell me what you want. I am all about, like, go, 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 go. I want you to explode. Uh, but most people, unfortunately, do not have that. And uh, something I always tell our team is I'm like, if I give you advice on something, I'm telling it to you, and I want you to do it because, quite frankly – yeah, I'm monetarily incentivized. Why would I lie to you? Right. Why would I give you bad advice on how to do Instagram reels or TikToks or Facebook reels or live video or podcasts or, 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 or if yeah, it's not going to help you? <laughs> well, no, and you understand that principle of like you give, give, give. And, you know, I mean, last night, for example, this event we did, we ended up spending quite a bit of money. I mean, there was three photographers and videographers and food and everything else alone. It was a free event for 300 people. Damn. It was just to expose them to these other people that are having a lot of success in business. And I got to speak at that. And it was cool because so many people are like, I can't believe this thing is free. But to your point, you know, you give value everywhere you can. And then you pick your moments where you can spend extra time with specific people yes. where you guys get, you know, coercion and things like that. But well, kind of a quick little pivot here. Like when we met the group that we're a part of where I first met you as a mastermind and it's very, all these masterminds, they uh, are heavily weighted towards men. I mean, there's just a lot more men than women. And most of the ones that I've been a part of, I don't know if it's that way at all, but it seems like it. I've been a part of enough of them now. Um, what is the experience of being with 
you know, in those rooms and how do you, I mean, you obviously you're, you go by boss Lee. I mean, you, you, you're the boss woman, but you know, talk to us a little bit about what you do with women and how you help women to build their careers and to get over the stigmas of maybe what, you know, entrepreneurship and business and is more of a male type thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. What a loaded question. <laughs> All right. So the answer, (laughs) the answer is yes. Every group I'm part of, every table I sit at, every business thing I go to, every mastermind I'm part of, every seat level, anything I go to, it is dominated by men. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, stop blaming the men for it. First of all. Okay. Uh, Sit at the table if you want to sit at the table and you're a woman listening to this. I made a very direct decision that I was going to have my freaking seat and you weren't going to talk over me. And when I know what I'm talking about, I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to show you I know what I'm talking about. And if I have to school you so you know who you're talking to, we're going to go there too. Like, but sit down. So many women are like, oh, these are like, these are these misogynists. It's this patriarchy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm over it. Okay, like I'm literally over it. I don't have any energy towards the victim mentality. So let's start there. Second of all, though, let's talk about the actual experience, which is, yeah, I go there. And there has not been a single event yet, including the ones that I've met you at, where somebody doesn't ask who I'm there with. And I say, really, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, (laughs) like, is your husband here? And I'm like, the only diamonds that are on this hand is my freaking diamond Rolex I bought myself. Like, that, that, my husband, I am very single as a Pringle. Like, I'm trying to mingle. Not necessarily here, but, like, what the hell, right? So, it's, like, I still get that. Yeah. But you have to understand who you are and know your level of, like, your level of value. I know when I sit in those rooms when I should talk and when I should not talk. Right. I know when I'm at those events where I can contribute and where I cannot contribute. And I only contribute in places where I'm go- where I feel like, hey, I got something to say about this. Um, yeah. And more women just need to step up, period. If you ask me, more women just need to step up, sit down, whatever you want to call it, and just get good at something. You don't have to be the best, but sit down. Sit at that table. There's plenty of times I'll sit at, like when we do the little round table things, like we'll sit at little round tables and I'll be sitting there like, I'm not saying anything yet. I have nothing to say. Like, I have nothing to say yet. But then when I do, the reason why somebody told you, oh, you got to talk to her, you got to talk to that girl, that girl, what she's talking about, mm-hmm. is because the only time I will talk is when I'm like, mm, I'm going to take this one. Mm-hmm. And then I show where I have superiority. And the crazy thing is a lot of people won't even bother going to these things and meeting these high-level people, which you should, because they have this level of... I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, they don't understand that most people don't know that much. So if you, before you go to one of these events, if you're super nervous, you're super scared, if you would go to one of these events and take the time before you go to listen to maybe a podcast of like, oh, I know Jimmy Rex is going to be there. Let me listen to something of his. Oh, I know Joel Marion's going to be there. Let me listen to something of his. Oh, I know Dan Fleischman's going to be there. Let me listen to something of his. Oh, I know Ed Milet's going to be there. Let me listen to something of his. If you become a 1% expert on anything, you can sit at those tables and be like, hmm. I got something to say, right? Uh, but more women, I wish more women would step up. But in the meantime, yeah, I love yeah. it because it actually gets me more opportunities such as this one. Well, you said that, you know, it's, it, you said something really important. It's like we almost like we have this imposter syndrome. And in fact, in one of those masterminds, I learned a really cool way to overcome that. Um, uh, Jim Gottlieb, who was 
part yep. of the group and she was at that. She said, she said, you know, we all get imposter syndrome. She said, Jimmy, this is the best thing I've ever learned to get over it. What you want to do, she said, write down a list on your phone, like just have like a tab in your notes of all the things you've done, like all of them, like list them. And she's like, write all your accomplishments you've ever achieved. So I did this, right? And, uh, and she goes, okay, now I want you to read it as if you're reading that about somebody else. Was like, oh my gosh! So I'm like reading, and I'm like, this guy's a badass. I want to be friends with this guy. It was so cool because like we do, we all feel like we don't belong. Or like, and I don't know, you know, if it's different for women. I know when I was younger, I was like the youngest real estate agent at all these conventions for years and years, and I would go do things. Like I remember one time, I bought some front row tickets to a jazz game, basketball game, and uh, the guy sitting next to me. I'm just trying to get to know this guy. Clearly, he's successful. He's on the front row with me, you know. And uh, he's like, oh, he's like, what are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm, a, I'm a real estate agent. And as soon as I said that, I was like probably 25 and I was crushing, but he, you know, he looks at me, he goes, oh, are these your dad's seats? And I'm like, no, I bought these. And from that day forward, anytime I was like, oh, I get that there's like a stigma around real estate agent that's 25, right? Like this guy. And I just remember like not being offended, but so much being like, it was just eye opening. Like, oh, that's how he sees me. And so I had to change. Like when, so after that, anytime people would ask me, I'd say, oh, I, I do real estate. Because it leave it super vague. Because then they're like, well, what does this guy do? Is he a developer? Is he an agent? You know what I mean? And it's interesting it you little... say that, actually. So I still experience that constantly. I had a suite at the mm-hmm. Rangers game, and somebody walked in like, Who, whose suite is it? I'm like, mine. What the hell? This is, like, very recent, right? But yeah, yeah. Um, something, actually, I learned at a mastermind I want to share with you because it's so crazy you say that about, like, oh, I'm in real estate and just kind of leaving it at that is if I would have met – I mean, I, I might have even said this to you the first time I met you – when people used to ask as recently as maybe four months ago, what is it you do? My answer would be, I do a lot. Like I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm number one in network marketing. I own car dealerships. I own spas. I own hair salons. I'm in trading. I'm in, I have a huge stock portfolio. I do real estate. Like I would literally go down this like, you know what I mean? And um, he said to me, this is somebody in our mastermind. He goes, what is that? I said, what are you talking about? He's like, what are you, what, why do you say it like that? I'm like, I don't understand what you're asking. And he's like, you're number one in the world at something. You're best in the world out of 8 billion people at something. Like, just stop there. And I went, what? He goes, if they want to know about the cars and the shoes and the jewelry and the da-da-da-da-da-da, they'll ask. He's like, but you, like, it is a full stop when you say I'm number one in the world in network marketing. Yeah, it's you don't have to go much further than that. Even as you were saying all that, I'm like, why doesn't in my mind I literally said, why doesn't she just stop it? I'm the number one network marketer in the world. Nobody <laughs> told me until the damn mastermind, and now it, it's like amazing. I I tried it like the day after he told me that, and I'm like, oh my god, you should have seen their response. They immediately like lost their shit, and he's like, yeah, because everybody's like, who the hell am I talking to? Like, damn. So yeah. to your point of of you know, I'm in real estate. If they want to know more, they're gonna be like, what do you? What do yeah. you mean? Like, no, it's funny. Well, it's, and I've been in so many circles of, you know, business people and things. And when you, they hear like you're a real estate agent, because everyone knows 20 dipshit real estate agents. And so when you hear that, at least <laughs> there's like, you know, and so I just kind of like let it kind of develop into what it is. I, I actually had a dude from one of the masterminds um, that we went to. He sent me a message the other day on, uh, on Instagram. It was a really cool message. Actually. He's like, dude, I've been following you since we met. He's like, I gotta be honest, man. When we met, I just thought you were just some random realtor. And he's like, you actually have one of the coolest lives. And he wrote me the nicest message I've ever read. And it was like all about, like, he's like, I feel like I've been stuck for years. And I, 
I watch you and that's where I want to be. And like, it was really like this really cool message. And I wrote it back. I'm like, wow, man, that means a lot. He's like, no, I wasn't going to send it because I felt so dumb. But I honestly, dude, I just thought you were this idiot realtor. And I was like, that's cool. Like, <laughs> thank goodness for Instagram. I guess we can actually see who each other are, you know? Exactly. But, no, Instagram's like changed the game. I, I was, I'm going to make a reel, maybe like right after this, where it's like so many people want to build a brand and they want to build a business and they want to be number one in whatever, or maybe not number one, but they want to be super proficient in whatever it is they're doing. And they don't want to put their face on social media. Mm. And I'm like, you cannot have this without showing this, yeah, right? You bad. have to show people who you are. And like, I mean, obviously we got on here before we even started recording. I'm talking about, oh, your 40th birthday and I'm best friend 31, you know, because you had your best 30 there. I just gonna put myself at 31, whatever, right? Like all of those things though that I know about you outside of the fact that we've met obviously a handful of times, Sure. I know them because I can follow up with your life right. through your Instagram. Like I know what's going on in your world. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, the biz, business is done with people that we know, like, and trust. And I think trust is the most important. And it's just, it's a really cool tool, really cool way for people to get to know people and decide if they want to trust them or not. And you can kind of see people that you do want to be around and people that you don't. And I think that's, you know, like, look, when you got into network marketing, you literally had to go to Google and start looking that way. Like what a crazy way to try to find your network marketing group. You know what I mean? And nowadays you'd be able to follow enough people and, and see who you want to align yourself with, which is really cool. But speaking of which, if people want to get to know more about your business, if they want to join the number one network marketer <laughs> in the world, they want to join your downline, they just want to see what you're doing or you know follow you, what's the best place for people to go to get some inf more information on you, Jess? Probably Instagram. So it's just that I'm Boss Lee. It's the same on TikTok. I check all my inboxes. So I'm Boss Lee. And then my Facebook's Jesse Lee Ward. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait to uh, continue to... Uh, see where your path goes, all these additional businesses that you continue to build and uh, put after the title number one network marketer in the world because it's, it's really cool. And it's uh, it's an honor for me. I remember when I was in network marketing, you have this idea like one day I want to be in the room with some of these top network marketers. I can't tell you who they are anymore, but um, so it is an honor to be able to do this podcast. And it's been fun to just be able to kind of see you and, and see you work and see you build. And it's been fun. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. And I'm excited to see you. Will you be in, um, what, in like two weeks or three weeks? You're going to be in California? I will. Yep. 